0: Hey guys, my name is Nikhil and
1: my name is Francisco, guys. And welcome back to the second episode of Anime Hub, guys. Guess what? We spent we spent an hour hour doing what? Thank you.
0: So uh, we actually did mess up our recording the first time. Of course, we spent about an hour As many recording. Do. excellent content for you guys. It was all right. All right. Yeah, it was actually all right, and uh, we deleted it.
1: Yeah, it's great. We didn't delete it. I hate my life. We just didn't record it.
0: Anyway, so my name is Akil, and this is Francisco, and we are students at the University of Illinois. We are doing a podcast. uh, We're called Anime Hub, and our second episode is on Madoka Magica, uh, which we talked about at the end of the first episode, which was Demon Slayer.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a two-part series, by the way. Madoka Magica has this movie called Rebellion. Fantastic yeah, we're movie. About Rebellion
0: separately because Madoka Magica is such a concise show and it didn't need that much more. And then Rebellion happened. And Rebellion is its own thing that we wanted to talk about. So in this episode, we'll be talking about Madoka Magica. and the next episode, we'll be talking about Rebellion. This the is a two-part episode, two-part show. Sorry, two-part episode with the first part being now.
1: Yeah, first we're being Madoka Magica, second we're being Rebellion. Because Rebellion is such a parallel shift for everything that happens in Madoka Magica that it does in its own respective episode.
0: So, so, we'll begin by talking about Shaft.
1: Yeah, Studio Shaft, fantastic. Studio Sh-
0: gang gang. So, the animation for Studio Sha- Shaft is very, very surreal. Uh, some Two really, really popular anime that Studio Shaft made are Madoka Magica and Monogatari. Uh, Francisco knows a lot more about Monogatari than I do.
1: It's a good show, guys difficult to get into very beautiful show some of the most prettiest beautiful (laughs) woman from this show i don't know but it's like actually the most that's the best woman in that show in my opinion for female leads really and yeah definitely they're all good characters you don't believe me they're pretty good uh so the interesting thing about studio shaft is their animation style they have pretty surreal scenery and Madoka Magica that really stands out whenever there, whenever witches appear on Madoka Magica. So Magical Magica is a show about magical garrison. and they have to go up against witches. But this what is makes a spoiler this? spoiler
0: alert for anyone who has not watched the show yet. I oh, would yeah, recommend sure. pausing the podcast, watch the show, then come back to it when you get the time.
1: Yeah, it's pretty. It's a good show. It's worth it. The best thing about Madoka Magica comes from the discussions that you get to have afterwards with people. And it has. As does a lot of the writer himself, Ken and how he goes about writing a story. Yeah, Ken is insanely
0: talented. He is very, he's very thoughtful and and he approaches things like you would in real life with his characters. They're very real and they're very grounded, which makes Madoka Magica a very unique anime. Cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, what's really cool about Madoka Magica? Oh! What's really uh, cool about Madoka Magica is the art. And this goes back to, I believe, Salvador Ali.
1: Yeah, it's a very surreal art that goes for Madoka Magica. Whenever the witches appear, that's very strong influence from Salvador Ali. Everything on Madoka Magica looks pretty standard. Something that they did that was really interesting for Madoka Magica is that they advertised it as a regular, off the pre-cure, reskin pre-cure show. So they, all of the advertising... Didn't suggest anything dark to go on it, unless you actually looked at who was involved in the production studio. The moment you re- you read Geno Robuchi as the writer, you should expect some pretty insane stuff. That wasn't known back then, because he was not too of too much of a prolific writer. He actually got on the map, thanks to Mantoka Magica and Fate Zero, both which came out in 2011, which, in my opinion, is probably one of the best years for anime in the previous decade.
0: Steins Gate also came out in
1: 2011. Steins Gate. Th- Hunter Hunter came out Hunter in Hunter 2011. Hunter Hunter came out in 2011. Fate Zero came out in 2008, Steins And I think Joe came out in 2011. Not too sure about that one. But it's definitely a, a, an amazing year. For, in my opinion, the best. Yeah, 2011 was a great
0: year for anime. And another really cool thing, going back to the animation point of Madoka Magica, it also takes a lot of influence from Tim Burton and Wes Anderson. I don't... Is it influence from, from them? Or
1: like has the director said that for sure? Um... The like, Shaft has see come it?
0: out and said that Wes Anderson films and Tim Burton, I think, pictures have inspired a lot of their work, and I think it's pretty evident when you compare movies like, even though the Grand Budapest Hotel came out after Madoka Magica, the qualities are really the pictures and the anime like the animation, the color are very very similar in both. Definitely the color. The movie and the show.
1: Not only that, but it's the. The humor in Wes Anderson's amazing, guys. If you haven't seen his stuff, please go watch his stuff. Yeah, I like.
0: definitely watch some Wes Anderson films. If I'm reasons. being honest,
1: I don't think the studio has come out and actually said that it influenced, but like people have seen the similarities between those yeah, two the
0: two. Yeah, the similarities are apparent, and they're there. Yeah, It's not... It's not. I'm sure Studio Shaft has maybe dabbled in some Wes Anderson, Tim, Tim Burton work. They're very, very famous directors. But I, I, I think it's more the fans and us have noticed that there are...
1: Quite a bit of similarities between the yeah. two. One of the pre- like premier styles that Studio Chef likes doing, and it's more prevalent in Modulka, no, Monogatari, is that French new wave of directing shots. Yeah. It's a, it's
0: a French technique. Yeah, yeah.
1: it's definitely definite French technique. The deal is that there's a rule of thumb that says you should always want to have like the two people who are talking in the in the camera so that you don't break the 180 rule, in which case it doesn't look like they're in a completely separate room, right? But the French New Wave takes breaks that convection. And whenever uh, someone is speaking, they have an entire scene or like an, the entire the camera is on them and they manipulate the scenery around them. Or at least you don't even see them speaking, but they're like they're like having a conversation. And it like flips back and forth between the person talking and the next person speaking. And as the uh, and and as they keep flipping back and forth, the entire scene changes to make it look like they're not even in the same location. They're only connected through the conversation that they're having which is helpful from an animation point because they can just flex
0: yeah and i think it's really unique to have that in and studio shaft is known for doing that they did that in both not only Monogatari, but they also did that in madoka magica it's fairly obvious when you can see like mommy and madoka talk in episode three spoiler alert we will be talking about episode three a lot so just as an fyi i would highly recommend watching the show before continuing the podcast <clears throat> and then also you have Tim Burton.
1: I'm not. I'm not sure about this. One, okay. So Francisco
0: is not super sure about it, but in my opinion, Tim Burton has some similarities. Um, there's a very old animation short that he did. Uh, Tim Burton did in the early nineteen seventies. It's called the Island of Dr. Agor. Now, in this animation skip, it was mostly just drawings, and it's very visualistic. And the drawings in the doctor, in the Island of Dr. Agor remind me really, really heavily of the witches in Madoka Magica. The drawing art and the art styles, to me, are very, very similar. And I can definitely see, like, some sort of influence or some sort of connection there. I feel like it's...
1: I think the connection bad. only goes as far as they we're going for something spooky. <laughs> okay,
0: I think, I think that, like, the, the line strokes and all that, they're there. I think there is some connection
1: the witches, in terms of, like, the art style. I don't think the witches have... I mean... Something that was mentioned about the witches that there's this: they're supposed to be surreal and like look out of place from the universe of Matako Magica. And something that in, in, in like elevates that look is the fact that they bring things from the real from our time. Right, they take pictures of it and they just paste it on there. They have cogs and they have dolls. They look like they're just like cutouts.
0: Like demonic monkeys, yeah. They have like they have some like really disturbing. They look images. like they're cutouts, dude. Yeah, they, it's like they're taken directly from our world and just put into animation. Yeah. Which is insane because it kind of contrasts and parallels that that concept of what's what's real and what's not. Almost if that makes sense. Like you have realism like, like, imagine and then you have like that cartoon <laughs> animation. Yeah. And you have the parallel between the two, which I think is really
1: yeah, cool. Yeah, it helps It helps you to realize when you're in a witch's territory, because that's when the animation goes pretty crazy.
0: Oh, yeah. The animation goes
1: nuts there, and yeah. it's
0: really beautiful to see,
1: honestly. Yeah, it's trippy stuff. It's, it like, really it's trippy. like an acid trip. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't know, but like... From that that I would setting, not know either. I would this, but not know, okay. I'm sure that
0: would... Uh, it'd be an adventure. Yeah, so... It's... And then there are... What's also interesting about Monoka Magica is the head tilts are actually really really popular, uh, surprisingly.
1: That's what Shafting. Usually, folks who don't even know. Well, Shaft isn't as prominent as it used to be. This like it was more of a meme like a couple of years ago, back when they had like a lot of Monogatari stuff coming out. They would always use the t- head tilt as one of the poses for the characters. It's um uh, to the point that it's comical.
0: And it almost got the feeling that they were looking down on you.
1: Which is yeah, right. Kind of interesting. Yeah, but it's actually mostly because of a single director that really likes that style or likes that pose, and he he always added it to his stuff. It shows up in m- some of their other works. Um, they also made *Nisekoi*. They made um, uh, that that one about the t- tortured sensei dude. It's just one of their older ones. I only know about it because I see some AMVs on it sometimes. <laughs> I'm not entirely familiar with it. Um, our Arakawa Under the Bridge, which is a comedy sketch, reminds me a lot of Gintama and their humor. But oh, really? this, it Yeah, but it's not as good. I mean, I had a fun time, but I was like, it's pretty, it's from Shaft. I'm, I can do this, but it was all right. Okay. okay. That wasn't too bad. But something else about Studio Shaft, like last time we were talking about Ufoldable, pseudo shaft had for madoka Magica, like we said had skin Urubuchi on it in 2011 he did fade zero and madoka magica so he wrote for both and they're both tragedy-esque shows and what's so special about the way gen Urubuchi writes is that for his characters he writes them as concepts
0: yeah they represent an ideal
1: that's true in real life yeah they represent an ideal while they might be the like because it's a it's a it's a narrative medium, right? He's able to like write these characters, not exactly as human characters, but like to represent a concept, and he plays them out and how they would interact with other characters with those, like, with that reflect those concepts. Yeah. This is more relevant, uh, relevant, or this is that way of thinking for his writing is more reflective in Fate Zero, than it is in Madoka Magica. In Madoka Magica, all of the characters synergize very well and they mesh well together, but in Fate Zero, there's like. Three kings. that represent their very distinctive ways of ruling people, and one of the best scenes in Fate Zero has those three kings meet together, and they discuss because, as kings do, they meet and have a toast, or on, on wine with wine. Yeah. So you have the king of knights, the king of kings, and the king of conquerors, and they like mention about their different ideals. The king of conquerors leads his men and his people to look at him and think, "I want to be just like that that person." the king of kings leads to defend their people to the point that but it goes it's to the point where there's such a perfect embodiment of a king that the people cannot look but like almost see a, an entirely different person that isn't human so the king of the king of kings fights only for their people to the point that they have no individuality and they almost get separated from their people but the king of conquerors fights to the point where someone one of their followers would want to stab them to become a king so the King of King wants to gather people to lead to, to have ambition. Why the King of Kings wants to make sure that people are always protected to the point where it feels as if their king is a monster. Yeah. Which it's difficult for the King of Kings because it hurts knowing that like your close confidence look at you and they think and they can't see you as a person. Because you're so capable. <laughs> but in the end you just want them to be safe and it's difficult not being able to like confine with someone that's so close to you.
0: That goes back to mommy. It does go back that, to that mommy. That is mommy's character, right? She is a really, really confident, outwardly person when you meet her. But when you get to know her and you see her internal conflict and her depression and what she's going through, her loneliness, you see that it, it's a really big reflection on real life where a lot of people, that might express that They're going through all these things and like they might look like they're okay and they're having fun or like they're really capable and like they're doing amazing things. But inside they're really eating up. And there's something that's eating them up. Yeah. Mommy
1: they're going through something mentally. Mommy's a really good character. Like I I mentioned, they all mesh well together. Mommy needs someone Mommy needs someone, right? But then Madoka they so needs to be needs needs to to be 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 needed. needed. Yes. Madoka needs to be needed because she feels like she has nothing going for her. Madoka sees mommy, and she sees someone that she can become, someone that she wants to become. Mommy sees Madoka, and she sees what could have been her, hers, which is something that goes back to the two parts of one whole. Yeah, they are two parts of one whole.
0: And like when they come together, they are one
1: person. They do, because when they come together, they become fulfilled. Yes. In almost every aspect that they can imagine, which yes. is something like a lot of people want would like to be like be fulfilled. Which is difficult because whenever you like get to a certain goal, you end up feeling empty again, and you end up losing the appreciation you had.
0: Which is why it was so important for mommy to. Spoiler alert: This is huge. Mommy does die in episode three, and it was actually very, very important for mommy to die for that reason, so Madoka can grow, and then she needed to feel like, oh my
1: god, I lost the one person that needed me the most. What do I do now? I wouldn't go that far. That I don't think she was. We learned later on that like for. Reasons mommy can't couldn't be in the show to conclude the. There way were that, other reasons, yes. But. Yeah, I mean, people discuss often about the situation with mommy and how her overconfidence were the reason why she like fell from grace. I have a difficult time dealing with that because of how capable mommy is in what she does. She's an orphan sure, but she's also the only one with experience to the level of her. Whenever. Someone talks about being overconfident. I always feel like they're overestimating themselves, but Navi, not, mommy, never once was in a position that me, I or any one of the viewers thought she couldn't get out of it. It was just bad luck for what happened to her, which was her death. She just had a bad matchup. Like most events in life, not everything is constructed with perfect information. Just like a good reflection for life would be poker, right? Where you don't have all the perfect information, but, but you, you can, can play it out with yeah. what you have in your hand. Yeah, and what you can, you can, you can, can do what you do what know you
0: can about. with the hand you have or you can make the best of what you have yeah. but uh, sometimes the you the other people can get really lucky on the river and they can get exactly what they need
1: yeah i mean like that's the thing about poker the reason why it's such a good reflection of life is that you s- you pair up a a world class champion right with a novice and the world class champion still has a chance of losing just because of luck Of probability of just how life is played you can you can follow the rules perfectly right you can be driving a car it's a green light you go at it and you still you can still get into a car crash because that's just how life is so there's a lot of terrible things that happen and that's the whole thing about Geno Rubuchi. Geno Rubuchi loves writing tragedies and what makes something a tragedy is that things can go from being hopeful to being complete depravity or like despair in like a blink of a second what makes a scene so impactful for many directors? They've gone on record in saying this is that they start a scene with a certain tone, right? You start a scene with being hope, and by the end of that scene, if they can like get everyone in the audience and in the people themselves to shift into despair, that brings out the most emotion, the most emotional response from the audience members. It's a shock. It's and an emotional shock. It's an emotional shock. For sure. But, like, it's very difficult to manage something like that.
0: Yes. No, that's for sure. Mommy's
1: no. situation came out of the blue. For sure. But there was a lot of foreshadowing that happened in it that, to this point, people are like, she, like, raised obvious death flags.
0: There were multiple death flags. But, but I, I don't think that's, think a, that's it was... a. It wasn't that obvious, though. That's I think that's what made it so unique. Because once you started learning more and more about Mommy by episode three, you were really comfortable with Mommy. And you were like, okay, she's probably going to be a regular... I wouldn't expect anything that bad to happen to her. Yeah, there's also the fact And then that it, boom, she dies. Yeah. And then you just it's just you don't it know. It was what happened. quick. It was I the remember end of the watching episode that and, boom. and I was shocked. Like for for five minutes afterwards I didn't say I think. I was just sitting there like what just happened.
1: Yeah. I think it was because of this episode that people in the anime community started doing the three episode rule.
0: Yeah, where you, you determine within the first three episodes if the anime is good or
1: not. Yeah, but I mean I mean that's not that's not a correct way of That's not, yeah. I think you
0: should, no no matter what the anime, you should definitely just give it a try and see how far you can get. Uh, But Madoka Magica is definitely a founder in that. Yeah. So advertisements were also really generic, which is really interesting, and kind of played on that three-episode trope, where the advertisements were really, really common. So you felt like... You we were just watching another magical girl episode or another Madoka Mad. Magi- like it wasn't anything special. Sailor Moon is probably one of the most infamous magical girl epis shows in anime. Yeah, I don't think it's infamous.
1: I think it's just it's pretty popular. Oh no, you said infamous. That's the opposite. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, well. yeah. Uh, Sailor Moon is one of the like pioneers. Yes. Definitely for think the a West. A lot of too.
0: people were expecting something similar. So when we got that episode three twist, it was. It kinda of defined the magical girl magical
1: girl genre. To come. From to come, like yeah. I feel like it was thanks to Madoka Magica that from that point on, whenever you saw Magic Girls in a show, you were expecting something dark and twisted in there. You weren't expecting the regular pre cure stuff, like I mean, talk like fighting for friendship, and any everything working out kinda of deal going for them. It was definitely you expected something like Madoka Magica and you were that was always in the back of your head. Ever since Madoka Magica happened, they've had a couple copycats from Madoka Magica. I've watched a few. I think it's pretty cool.
0: The concept itself is very unique. I think, and I think, it helps elevate the magical girl, magical
1: girl trope and makes it a little more unique. Yeah, I think Which one of think? the ones I read was Maho at the end or something like that. It was pretty edgy, but <laughs> that's besides the point.
0: Was so Aurobuchi, I mean, is a big contributor to this. We previously discussed in the episode that. He enjoys writing his characters in a very real and idealistic way. And Mami and Madoka are big, big example of, examples of this. Mami especially. She embodies the definition of needing, to, needing someone to be fulfilled. She is someone who is strong on the outside but struggles with depression on the inside. She needs a partner. She needs a partner. And Madoka is the type of person that wants someone to rely on her. Yeah. So they just mesh perfectly together. They're two halves, one whole. Sayaka, on the other hand, is a very, very unique character. She's very average. She's beyond average. One of the, one of the very, one of the most cool things about Monoka Magica is that the main, the protagonists, quote unquote, are the most average people in the entire show. They're not super special, which makes them really interesting and really unique, because they never. They never really. They're not special. They're just not. They're your everyday
1: people. <laughs> All right. So, for example, Madoka Machica, she was like pretty much given it. She was given everything someone would ever want in life, but she still didn't feel fulfilled because she had no sense of self worth. She didn't feel useful. Like her mom. Her mom a big was example. like a
0: CEO of a company.
1: Like, going to be. She, she gets sh- things done. She was done. surrounded by
0: very powerful people. And she was surrounded by people who were very successful. So, she was. And she viewed herself as someone who could never reach those expectations. In school, she said herself, her grades were average. She was average at sports. She was average at everything. She never excelled in anything. She was the most average. She was average, straight up average.
1: Just uh, she was your
0: everyday person, and then she became someone special. And I think it's a reflection. She had the potential
1: becoming someone special. She had the potential. Not only that, but she had the potential becoming someone special instantly.
0: Which is amazing because. Isn't that kind of like a reflection on a lot of people in society today? How? A lot of people want, they to, want be, to be They want to be instantly. someone, right? They want to be special. Instantly would be the best. Obviously, with hard work, it takes time, it takes patience, it takes money, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But a lot of people, if they had the option to become someone or something useful, was, if they had the option to contribute to society immediately,
1: a lot of people would do it. Not just contribute, just feel fulfilled. Exactly. It's not them wanting to contribute; to society, But it's like if you get a so a sense of fulfillment, that's what if people you, want. If you if you
0: if you love what you do and you know that you're at least doing something that you want to do, that's
1: yeah. That's it. And Madoka wants to be needed, which is detrimental. It goes to the point where she be, she's a martyr for what whatever she does. Exactly. It's really sad, but yeah. Yeah, that's, it's like that. It's taken to the extreme, which is something that Geno Rinpoche likes doing because it's easier to work with. It's easier to work with because you can give other characters that extreme spectrum, but for a different aspect. And then you can see how what happens when they conflict with each other. Saika
0: is a huge example of that.
1: Saika is someone so, so average that if it wasn't for, for her just being in the right place at the at right, the right time, time, she wouldn't have gotten the opportunity was, to become magical. There was magical. no
0: way. She should not have been a magical girl. The only reason she did was because she followed Madoka into the room.
1: She just followed someone. Exactly. And then she became a magical girl because of that. And that's just how faith works, I guess. That's how, Not only that, but Geno Rubuchi has gone on record. It. It's Madoka's... No, it's not. It's Sayaka's faith to just die.
0: <laughs> it's so sad. And yeah. Sayaka's whole story is just really weird in a sense because she's doing this all out of love she's doing it out of obsession yeah it's a very twisted form of love almost
1: it's a very normal form of love it's not really twisted but it's normal how is it normal it's like whenever you meet someone and then you start fantasizing about what you can do for them or how you can get their attention right but But she she went like borderline obsession but the guy didn't know that not only that she did that she got no recognition for obvious reasons. And
0: Saika wanted recognition. The entire she, she time, all she wanted was recognition.
1: That <sighs> was a that was a
0: big part of why she kept pursuing him. She didn't I don't think she pursued the boy. She pursued the recognition and the fact of
1: Eventually, I need I
0: fulfillment to be recognized by this individual.
1: She she also loved the idea of being a magical girl too. That was thanks to Mommy because Mommy is the epitome of what it means to be a perfect magical girl. Yeah, gear. she was a perfect magical yeah, girl. Yeah, she was on the outside definitely capable she has the most experience there's nothing almost that was given her way that she couldn't manage which is amazing even QB which is we gotta mention this QB is the companion of these magic girls right and like every magic girl show there's this trope that you have a you have a companion who's an animal very cute and it just follows you around and it provides your magic or something it's related to the magic it's really
0: interesting that like it's kind of similar to Made in Abyss, but all these girls and all these characters in the show are really cute. Yeah, Made but, in Abyss. Yeah, that's a show you should look into. It's very, very... What do you think of Made in Abyss, Nikhil? We will get into that in another time. <laughs> I am not a big fan of Made in Abyss. I like the show. I think the show, objectively, fantastic. Do I like it? That's a different story. But that's besides the point. It's very similar to Made in Abyss in the fact that it it has all these really cute, childlike characters that's like seems fun, but under it all, it's like another layer under it.
1: Intentionally it's, so. Too. It's
0: very it's very dark, very grim. There's a lot
1: more that meets the eye. Yeah. After all, one of the huge themes, or one of, something that Geno Robuchi wanted to pursue when writing Mataka Magica*, was the concept of making a deal with the devil. Was making a Faustian contract. It takes. Ma- Madoka Magica takes a lot of German influences. For example, Faust is one of is a German fable. It's also an opera, eventually became an opera, and written by Goethe or a musical or something like that. And it takes a character known as the Dr. Faust, right? There's many different interpretations of how it goes, but effectively, he makes a contract with a demon called Mephistopheles. And because he goes and says, there is no joy in life that I haven't experienced. And I can have no more joy in life. The demon disagrees and says, how about this? If I, as your servant, or if I can manage to bring you joy in life, I get your soul. And that's one of the origins of making a deal with a, what a, what a demon, with a devil. There's a lot of... That German influence goes deeper into Madoka Magica in that some of the lyrics themselves are in German, and some of the names of the witches are also in German. To the point where one of the witches roughly translates to Festival of a Witch, I think, or Festival of Something in yeah. German. Yeah. These are pretty prolific. It's They're all Easter eggs, of course, so they're, like, things that the directors, the animators, like, put in to make it more obvious. It's like, yeah, this is... It's a deal with a devil. It's cutesy. It looks cutesy, but it's a, it's, it's a sham. Q-B, I think it also
0: brings up the point of would you, as the viewer, make a deal with the devil? Yeah. And that was one of the things that I got away from the show when I first watched it. I realized that under the right circumstances, and under the right conditions, I would. And the only reason I say that is because many of the characters in Madoka Magica were unfortunately put into a circumstance where they had to make a deal with the devil in order to live. If um, I was put in a very similar situation, yeah, I would do the same thing. I just would. There, there's. I wouldn't. I would. In my head, I would say yes immediately especially
1: and mommy mommy is a prime example mommy. mommy
0: was about to die mommy she, was, to. she was a prime example of this
1: she was in a car accident her parents were there next thing you know blurry eye vision practically like who knows if it's even real right yeah and it's like life or death she no, was in a life something or death situation. pops up a little cute animal and she's like make a contract with me and like i can live. grant your wish yeah. and all she can think about is like help me yeah right that's she it just, that's she just like she
0: needs to live she needs to see another day And that's a very human instinct. I need to see another day. I don't want to die. Yeah. That that phrase, I I feel like a lot of people, like film does this really well, shows do it really well, but it's a very human characteristic where you just don't want to die. You want to see that other day. You want to spend another day with your friends, with your family. You want to keep going, whether it be for yourself, for other people. And mommy kind of represents that. And... Cuba represents... Well, the like, potential. To what extent, yeah. To what extent would you give your soul to the devil? Or, like, what would you do? What, what would have to be done to you to give your soul to the devil?
1: Yeah, mommy lived, but it haunts her the fact that she had an opportunity to make a wish. She could have saved herself and her parents. But she didn't do it. But She died of her, oh,
0: herself and only herself at that
1: moment. Which is fair, but, like... Completely for, fair. For I, some, if you live after that, you can't but help blame yourself. Like think, oh my course. god, if I could have just thought for a second, I could have had my family with me still. It, I could that, have, it goes back yeah. to the concept of like death at that moment, and like she was in a situation where she almost didn't have a choice. And it haunts her, man. It haunts her for the fact that she can't have her family anymore and she had the opportunity to save them. She's an orphan at this point. 15, 14-year-old orphan. Has a really bougie place, but, I mean, that's probably, probably because really. of, you know, some insurance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but <sighs> it's really funny because, like, Madoka and Sayaka, they are completely average people with great families and a home. At the end of the day, they had no reason to become magical And that's girls.
1: actually something mommy... Repeatedly told them it's like I never got the opportunity to make a wish that, that I could do, Please but you guys choose do. wisely. Yeah, she wanted to be someone that they can look to for guidance and wisdom. That's true,
0: and eventually, stuff happens. We, we don't want to give away too much of the plot because we do want you guys to watch the entire show. This is a show that's we feel that's. Very, very yeah. unique and very introspective, and it's worth watching. We learn reason. more
1: about mommy as the show goes on. Actually, yes. one of the we learn more a lot from just one flashback, and like understand mommy's character, and it was an insane flashback. Oh
0: yeah, and a big note, uh, uh, before we keep going, uh, Homura is a really, really, really important character. She's in fact my my personal favorite character of the entire show. The only reason that we're not discussing her is because we feel she's extremely integral. And since this is a two-part episode, we will talk about Homura and Mami and their relationship more in the next episode during Rebellion. Yeah. Because we feel that their relationship is something that definitely
1: needs to be explored. It's everyone. It's very every character in Madoka Magica meshes so well together. They're, well, because they're, they're all conflicting, and they, they all synergize. Oh,
0: it's beautiful. It's, it's very beautiful. smart. They have like what Saika and Kyoko. Saika and
1: Kyoko—it's actually the definitive pair of the people. They're a the
0: couple. They're the
1: the the Pretty couple much. of the show. Yeah. <laughs> that a couple of the show I mean Saika like her entire gist is that she was after a guy right like at a point where it almost feels like emotionally manipulative from her head yeah she unintentionally was emotionally so manipulative. because what was the situation with the guy she was she so the guy
0: got injured his two guys got injured in an accident and he I believe his arms? Yeah. One and of his he, arms. Yeah, one of his the arms. Violin. And he could not play the violin, which was a big factor. Prodigy. prodigy. He was He was a prodigy as well, and he was stuck in bed in the hospital for years. I, I wouldn't... And not blame herself
1: years. because she was there during that I incident. Don't, no, she, she doesn't blame herself, by the way. It just happened. Because she was a fan. She was one of his first fans. They're both the same age, by the way, except he's... I'm pretty sure sure
0: Sayaka blames herself for not helping him.
1: I mean, she blames herself for not helping him because she can't help him.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's what... Okay, yeah. That's what I'm trying to get at.
1: And... Because, you know, QB's wish. Yeah, QB's wish.
0: And when Sayaka... Spoiler alert. When Sayaka does wish that he'll
1: become better and he'll get fully recovered, he kind of just shuts her off. I don't even know something. if he shuts her off. I mean, did you, now don't forget that one of their friends says, yo, I'm going to date this guy.
0: Yeah. Uh, that that was, also was a big reason. And she else. hated that. I don't, she, it was
1: not that she hated it. She has a, I mean, she loves her friend, but it's like. Nah, she hated it. <sighs> if I was in that situation, I'd, I'd, I'd I, straight up be like, no, <laughs> no. Know, it's and a, she was like borderline upset. She wasn't even borderline. She was obsessed. She got to the point where she even goes and looks at Madoka. And she's. I don't I don't think Saika was obsessed with the boy
0: though. I think she was obsessed with the ideal the boy represented. I think she was obsessed with the the attention and like the the fact of I wanna be recognized, I wanna be known. And that was one of Sayaka's I think biggest flaws
1: as a character. Uh, she's just I mean she says the best herself. I'm dumb. No, I was stupid. So stupid.
0: Yeah. At the end, yeah, and then... You shouldn't and make a wish for... And, what, and, and I believe the last episode... This isn't anything to do with Homer, so this is not a huge spoiler, but we see the boy play the violin on a stage as the curtains roll. Yeah. As, and it just pans out, and you just hear the music, and it just stops. And that scene gave me goosebumps personally because I felt like it was an end to a really tragic story.
1: A yeah, tragic story that he doesn't even know that happened. Yeah, he doesn't even
0: know that happened. Which was the sad part of it all. Like he got everything but back. But as the viewer, knows no know exactly what happened, and we can't say or do anything about it. Her story was just like a tragic downfall, essentially.
1: I mean, you don't, you don't get any closure from it. You don't. It like just, it just and happens. it goes, and as you live your life, you don't get closure sometimes at all. It, just that's, that's
0: just another that's just another metaphor I think for for closure.
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't always get it. It's a privilege if you haven't good and for you
0: it's just so sad to see and i think it's really relatable to a lot of people for me yeah, especially sayaka. like when i when i saw that i was like wow there's some things i know in my life that i i will always stick with me and i will never really feel content about and i think uh, that
1: sayaka goes on record saying that she did get closer i mean she was one of
0: at the end right right when she was dying she was like i'm so happy i met you blah blah blah, blah. and she, she felt that closure
1: but For the boy too. That's like she. For fit the boy her, as well. But, love, but I
0: think I think Saika represents the idea of closure. Yeah. Right. She's not getting closure. That or that, or that, like having that, to accept it. She's yeah. pursuing that ideal of like, oh my god, I need this, I need this, I need this, until she can feel good about herself. Again, the crazy thing about it all is Madoka and Saika are extremely average characters. There's nothing special about them.
1: Some of the other characters go through some insane stuff. Yeah. Mommy, an orphan. Kyoko, which is Saika's respected partner, which we're not going to go into. Maybe a bit more rebellion, but for in rebellion. In rebellion, sure. we will. Hopefully. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Kyoko, but there's some people who vouch for Kyoko and Saika. No, They are... I mean, I see it. I see it. Okay. But Kyoko herself, she lost her parents. Her dad committed suicide. Her dad made a code, and she wished for something that led to that. Her, her wish, which wasn't selfish, led to what people dying yeah that's it a was, tragedy herself so. she was
0: the cause of a lot of people's deaths and as a result she stopped feeling empathy she huge. wanted to stop feeling empathy and sayaka kind of gave her the empathy back and that's she looked
1: not, she looked at sayaka and she saw herself
0: yeah she saw a reflection of herself and like what sayaka could potentially turn into which was her and she didn't want that she would and that's why at the end when uh, this is a spoiler no nah, i don't nah. You know okay. What? Nah. okay we will discuss this later rebellion so we give you guys a chance you can to move up Saika show. anyway but yeah it's just insane these relationships that Geno Bushi, uh, throws at us are really just incredible because they all every character in this show just meshes so well together and what's insane is that Madoka and Saika are very very average people they're nothing special and in a way they kinda of represent us as a, a lot of humans actually a lot of us aren't anything special Like, we might come from an average family, an average home. And at the end of the day, a lot of us are trying to become better versions of ourselves or we're trying to reach goals that we want in our life. Yeah,
1: and that's something that Homura wants Madaka to realize, her self-worth. She has no self-worth. She has no self-worth. To the point, like, Homura says, Madaka, you have everything you would want. You just have to appreciate it and have gratitude for it. And I think a lot of people don't. A lot of people see past that, and they're like... It's difficult. It's something you have to train yourself to feel good for something. Oh, no, for, for sure. Something. It
0: takes a lot of time,
1: and it takes a lot of
0: effort, because it's about taking what you have one step at a time. I think this year, for me personally, I don't mean to get personal on this podcast, but I have a few friends that are graduating this coming year, and I realized fairly recently that after they leave, it's going to be really tough to see them again. So I should cherish the relationship and the moments I have with them, in the moment, and appreciate them for being here with me, and appreciate what I have, and that's a really hard thing to do. And they're middle schoolers. Honestly, I can't yeah, blame middle them. Schoolers. Like it's it's so hard to come to that realization in middle school, but what they represent is that ideal, and what that's what I think they're just average people who are a reflection of us in a way, yeah. who just want more
1: in life or who want to be better. So definitely average because mommy orphan Kyoko, well tragic oh my god Kyoko. and <laughs> then Homura and then Homura had a frail body a weak constitution had no friends until middle school. Ho- and she goes middle school.
0: School Homura was
1: real sad. And she gets a she gets a benefit from being a magical girl. She gets a she gets a stronger body just inherently.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah she so does. it's finally the one thing really that was hindering she, her. She, she gets everything. You see that also in the first episode, which is really cool. Yeah,
1: first technically the first magical girl we see is Homura. But Technically, f- yes first but we one, don't know that she's a magical girl i mean we do obviously from the design but like the first one that i feel like we understand what a, at first glance what it means to be a magical girl comes from mommy yeah yeah i agree with that yeah Did we mention about the cocky from mommy cockiness of mommy
0: okay so a lot of people think that mommy is very was cocky. I am actually in that sense. That once, after she interacted with home, uh, with Madoka, Mommy became a little more... Co- I don't want to say cocky, but...
1: There's something in
0: there. She became more confident. And a little over, overly confident, it's which so... led to her death. A lot of people argue that that is the case.
1: I'm not one of them. I personally think that when it comes to overconfidence, like I mentioned... Uh... She's she capable. She's capable. And it's the luck factor that, that was that's big on it. And she was just unlucky, man. A very difficult situation. Some folks also... Also referenced the conversation Homura had with her. It's like, she when Homura says, let me come with you. I can help you. And... I mean, this came right after Madoka said, I would become a magical girl and be with you. So, inherently, I don't... The decision to, like keep Homura there is sound only because of how only because of how Homura presented herself as think, being a negative force and never trying to cooperate.
0: Do you think do you think Mommy's whole shtick of like I need to be capable I need to be this I need to be that but do you think her death was a direct result of her naïveness? I definitely do you think, think her naïveness played a factor in her death? Because you say her death is luck, right? And there it, is, it was a bad matchup. Like, it was a bad matchup, sure. Do you think her naiveness played a factor in that? Do you think that she should have taken extra precautions? Or do you think it would have been possible?
1: She was one of the most experienced and battle ready of every magical gear we saw. And actually, no, in my opinion, it's the most. Homura, close second, but Homura has... She has the benefit of her like a very capable tactical ability. Yeah. And like, Homura... Well, well, Homura and Mommy are definitely top tier. Like in Rebellion, there's an amazing gun fight they have, which is we'll insane. Talk about it,
0: rebellion.
1: Yeah, I mean, like they, I mean, we us just mentioned they had a fight. It's like yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. much. But yeah,
0: uh, it's inter- it's it's an interesting conundrum to think about. I'm personally team, uh, Mommy was too confident, but that that's definitely up for debate. I think that. I think it makes sense that luck was involved in some sense, though, because or there were well, there was a sense of just randomness almost because life is not strategic. Life is not you're not gonna plan your life out immaculately every day of every month of every year. It's just not gonna happen. What
1: life throws at you sometimes can be really just sporadic. And, and I that's think, that's something that mommy was trying to like emphasize the fact about being a magic You can die at any moment. Yeah, you're never safe you're never safe and it was difficult for them to understand that kind of level because mommy was so capable
0: yeah mommy mommy was the most ideal magical girl like mommy she was struggling her own she was going through her own battles internally but like to the world she showed that she was more than capable of handling her own which
1: was a really sad downfall for her as well the best thing about mommy is how she's ideal she is very battle experienced, but she's still naive when it comes to knowing what being a magic but being what their specific magical gear means. Because out of everyone in the show, eventually Madoka, Sayaka, and every other roster member learns more about the deal that they made than mommy. Mommy died knowing only the bare minimum.
0: But and she still, was the most experienced.
1: She was the most experienced. Which is insane. I, there's a lot of irony there. It was. There is a lot of irony. But it makes sense because mommy is also the weakest, has the weakest mental fortitude out of everyone. That is true. When she learns a bit of that, she breaks down. She can't handle the situation that she's in. She can't handle the reality of what they are.
0: Yeah, she just doesn't know what to do.
1: Yeah, but. It's pretty sad. Yeah. Which always helps because Madoka and Saika learn slowly more and more. As the story progresses, Progresses, Saika, you learn what becomes of their body, which explains Homura's body now. And then eventually with Kyoko, well, Saika, you learn of their body and then you learn of their ultimate faith. And there's something, and when it comes to Kyobi, you learn his role in the entire event, learn what he is, which is amazing because people like to bash on Kyobi, but only because it's fun. But Kyobi objectively has no emotions. Like he is. He's a third party member. He's like, in a way, He's a catalyst for sure.
0: He's a cat. I almost think of Qb as when you're playing chess, there are two players. You have per and both these players are controlling pawns, kings, blah 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 blah. To me, Qb is a person controlling all of this. So he doesn't care what happens to all these pawns that he's controlling, as long as he can get to the end goal, and the end goal isn't necessarily bad. It's just to him, to Cuba, there are necessary evil, necessary sacrifices that you need to make in order to attain a greater
1: good. It's not even sacrifice him. He's very utilitarian. There's no emotions behind his thinking. It's all logical.
0: Yeah, it's all logical. That's what I'm saying. It's like a chess match. It's not. Yeah, I see. Every every, every, everything he does, everything is calculated. It, it doesn't. He doesn't feel. Not everything is
1: calculated because he's he's dealing with one thing that isn't calculated, which is the emotions. The emotions. That played he is someone factory. who could play chess but can't accept playing poker.
0: Yeah. 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 Which is an interesting conundrum. And yeah, that actually kind of just wraps up our uh, podcast.
1: Unless, Frisco, you have anything else to say? Had something in mind. Definitely related to QB. Definitely related to QB, but I can't remember. Oh, well. <laughs> well I, I tune into <laughs> Rebellion
0: and we'll probably remember it, then we'll talk about it. But as of now, uh we have finished part one in our in our part uh, two part episode. Uh ple- uh thank you so much guys for listening. We have a few shout outs to make or uh, and uh credit to give before we close out. Huge shout out to know your meme. They kinda helped us with understanding the whole head tilt thing and why that was really important. I mean I knew Please about shout-out. it, I just we didn't know exactly why. We like, didn't didn't more evidence. Why does that keep popping and, uh, up? Neumann kind of helped us with that. TVTropes.org was another uh, website we visited. Uh, it, that was more for Studio Shaft, and they discussed some similarities between Tim Burton and uh, the other director we talked about. Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. a Pizzle and, tail Please watch it. Yeah, please watch that movie. That movie's fantastic. But that website talked more about the comparisons between those two, and then some more about Madoka Magic as a whole. And then lastly, uh, we need to give credits, obviously, to AnimeNewsNetwork.com because they had an interview, actually, with Geno Abuchi and we were able to read the entire interview, and we were able to really understand what Geno Abuchi was going for, and going off of Geno Robuchi's points, we were able to formulate our own thoughts and theories and kind of connect the two to be able to bring you guys the content we have now. So, yeah, that's about it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, our winter break is coming up for both me and Francisco, and we are both traveling. So, unfortunately, we will not be able to get another episode for a little bit. Thank you guys so much for listening, and hope you guys have a good one.
1: Bye. Bye. See you.